Ohio Habla es un podcast que nace del proyecto Narrativas Orales de Latinos en Ohio, Oral Narratives of Latinos en Ohio. Exploramos la experiencia latina con entrevistas en español, inglés y spanglish. Welcome to Ohio Habla. I am your host, Elena Fawes. Candelaria Monta joined us today to talk about her work with youth and family families and her role as Director of Community Impact for the National Youth Advocate Program, NIAP, is that correct? Yeah, Candy, in Central Ohio. Over the past 14 years, Candy has enjoyed her role in child welfare and has a deep passion for helping youth and families. Born and raised in the South Bronx, Candy has served her community through community organizing, case management services, counseling, and advocacy acro across needed groups. Candy earned her associate's degree in human services from Bronx Community College and her bachelor's in sociology from Hunter College. Shortly after completing her undergraduate degree, she moved to South Flor Florida, where she completed her master's degree in mental health at Nova Southeastern University. She currently serves on the board for the Family Pride Network and enjoys serving her community here in Columbus. Candy, Candy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Can you tell us a bit more about your background? Sure. Um, first of all, I'm really happy to be here and honored to have this kind of platform in our community. I think that it's so necessary. Um, as you previously stated, I was born and raised in the South Bronx, um, mother of three, digo mother, daughter of three <laughs> children. <laughs> I'm the oldest of three, um, and my mom and dad are of Dominican descent. I was um, essentially first-generation Dominican. They moved here from the Dominican Republic in the mid to late 70s. And um, I was born in 78 and uh, raised in the South Bronx in an area that was predominantly Puerto Rican and African-American and one of the few Dominicans in our community, um, but loved um, my childhood and all the memories um, and flavor that New York City brought me in my life. And I think it'll always stay with me. Um, and then, as you previously stated, I, in my mid-20s, decided to move to South Florida mm -hmm. for a change and loved it. I mean, uh, fell in love with Miami. Who couldn't? Who wouldn't, <laughs> right? Couldn't believe that in January you could go to the beach and get a suntan. Great. <laughs> and you're in the same country. <laughs> so I um, loved Florida and lived there for 13 years. And really, I think, came to know myself and my role, my profession. And um, in 2004, I decided, interestingly enough, sorry, um, back up. In 2003, I moved to South Florida and started work providing counseling services to young men and women at a drug treatment center. Mm -hmm. So this was an inpatient drug treatment center, and I just loved it. I felt so good knowing that we were there to serve as healing agents for these young men and women that were struggling with addiction, um, who were unapologetically raw and vulnerable mm -hmm. and eager to get clean. Loved it. 
enjoyed it very much, but I was earning very little. Mm. And I was like, this has got to change. I get that I'm in Florida, but this has got to go. So um, I decided to just pursue my role um, as a case manager in the child welfare field. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. I just, I mean, being a caseworker is definitely no joke, and it's nonstop work. But I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like I was really, really elevating um, my level of advocacy in the community, and I was essentially helping to step up for young boys and girls to make sure they didn't end up at a drug rehab center in mm-hmm. ten years. Um, so that was awesome. Loved it very much. Great. Can you share with us how you started working with families and children? That was essentially um, the the moment I think that I really, really started. But I think it really goes back to when I was a kid. I'll never forget um, just inevitably in my family falling into the counselor role. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you know, advice giving. So it's it, in your blood. It's <laughs> in the sangre. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's always started just in my community, helping out, you know, whenever I saw that somebody was hurting, I just mm-hmm. inevitably fell into that role of, um, of, of healer. I know that sounds a little dramatic, but sort of, you know, like that. And I, since I was young, I think I've always had that um, interest in helping. And then when I started for real doing it full time um, was when I started working as a foster home recruiter mm-hmm. in the South Bronx, working for an awesome center that's probably not there anymore called Seneca Center. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. And it's so funny because I call, sometimes I talk to mommy and she's like, e Seneca, como ta Seneca? And I'm like, mommy, you know I no longer work there, right? <laughs> I'm in Ohio. Mommy. I'm in Ohio, like Columbus. Seneca doesn't exist here. But, uh, but yeah, it started back then in my early 20s, um, professionally, uh, you know, properly. Mm-hmm. And then solidified itself in my mid-20s while living in South Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, your desire to work with family and children, was that um, in any way informed by experiences you, you had um, as a child growing up or maybe um, in your community? Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. undoubtedly, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, my mom and dad struggled. Um, they definitely were in the most healthy couple um you know and so i think seeing mommy and papi have um so many growing issues and seeing it unfold before your eyes and as you get older of course you start to see oh goodness there's no way in jose's land that i want this kind of relationship when i get older uh, but yeah papi suffered from alcoholism and mommy also um struggled with taking care of that relationship um and so i think inevitably i kind of fell into it because of my childhood and knowing that i didn't want i didn't want other kids to suffer quietly either i didn't want whatever i could control as an adult i was willing to do because it was necessary mm-hmm. and it, and i think no one is exempt from pain, right? No one is exempt from some kind of dysfunction in their family. 
But whatever I could do to intervene and assist and help and step up and girl, tell me what's going on. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm here to listen because I care. I was willing to do. So it's one of these things that just comes natural. It's, you know, I can't run from it. Mm -hmm. I think if I were to try real estate tomorrow, I'd still be giving advice. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe um, you wouldn't be as successful, I guess. Definitely. (laughs) Don't don't buy that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What type of initiatives do you lead as Director of Community Impact for NIAP? Well, I think one of the things about the National Youth Advocate Program, NIAP, that makes us so amazing, um, it's honestly, it's not because I currently work there, but uh, truly because it's one of the best agencies I've I've ever worked for. Um, It's, we take pride in really caring for people, connecting communities, promoting peace, and we do it from the top to the bottom. I mean, our existing CEO, Marvina Twig, is just amazing. She, you know, leads with caring and leads with compassion. And I think who can't work for something like that? Mm-hmm. Like who, who can't work for, for, for that kind of thing? The top initiatives really is helping to draw awareness about the need for good, caring adults for our children who have been exposed to some level of abuse, abandonment, or neglect. We are throughout eight different states, including Florida, South Florida, and all the way up to Pensacola, South Carolina, Georgia, Indiana, Chicago, all the popular cities here in Ohio, Kentucky, um, West Virginia, and we're growing. This year we celebrate 40 years in existence. Mm -hmm. And it was founded by a a man, Dr. Mubarak Awad, who is, uh, you want to talk about being a healing agent. This is the breath of our organization. We're grassroots. We don't care to roll up our sleeves and get the work done to help people when they need it most. Mm -hmm. So our role really is just to provide good advocacy to youth and families in need of whether it's behavioral health services, foster care, case management services, um, alcohol and drug treatment. So it encompasses essentially a little bit of everything I've done in my life. Mm -hmm. And I, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Great. Do you work with Latino families? I do. We're seeing an increase in referrals, actually. Um, So prior to serving as director of community impact, um, I was serving as assistant director of the Center for Adolescents and Families. It's a cool new youth center that NIAP has established in 2015. Um, And it's aimed really at providing counseling services to everyone in the community, you know, whether you're a struggling parent that is having a hard time getting through your teens (laughs) head or 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 you're an adult in need of alcohol and drug treatment. So and we're in the downtown Columbus area. What we're seeing is a lot more Latino families that are coming in saying, listen, we're having clear communication issues. There's a generation gap. We've got young girls going to school, getting bullied in school, and having a disconnected relationship with their parents, and they're at odds. And so it's an honor to help really serve and intervene and step up for Latino families so that they don't end up in foster care, Mm. so that this child doesn't end up suffering needlessly, but rather that they receive the right kind of intervention to get them to a place of healing, 
to get them to a place of restoration, to get them to a place where they could feel good about themselves as a mom or as a child, you know. So you work with many families. Um, what are some of the, <clears throat> uh, excuse me, what are, what are some of the challenges that families and children face in today's society? And if you can speak to, um, in particular with Latino families, is it different mm-hmm. um, working with um, this population? That's a very good question. Well, I think it's fair to say we don't like therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. You know, we feel like... Um, you know, that's for other people. Mm-hmm. It's not us. We figure this out. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk to abuelita, you talk to your your comadre, your mm-hmm. madrina, mm-hmm. exactly, your comadre, your friend. You don't go to yeah. a professional counselor and give them all your business. And so there's inevitably resistance. Um, and to some degree, quite frankly, what I detect is embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're proud people. We're proud. And so... That can serve to help us, and it can also backfire. So I think some of the challenges may be those cultural conflicts. But Mm -hmm. then um, little by little we're seeing, I think it's becoming, therapy is becoming maybe, and maybe it's just me and I'm biased, but more socially acceptable. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, uh, you know, it's a a challenge that may eventually dissipate over Mm -hmm. time. But that is something that um, we do see. How would you approach um, a Latino family um, to talk to them about therapy, the need for therapy, and mm-hmm. and um, maybe uh, more professional advice rather than their mm-hmm. abuelita or madrina? Yeah, I think it's a lot of like normalizing it. Mm-hmm. Um, we all have problems. Mm-hmm. We're not exempt from pain. That it's okay to talk about it with somebody who's neutral, who um, who studied mm-hmm. to help you, um, who's gonna look out for the best interests of you and give you a non-biased um, intervention, um, who's gonna carry your case with care and the professionalism and 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 delicacy, quite frankly, that you deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you come in, you start the sessions, there's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, quiero estar aquí, coño, yo no sé lo que está pasando. Hey, no, you know, we're okay, we're okay. <laughs> and then you start to talk little by little, little by little, you build trust. Mm-hmm. I think that's at the heart of it, too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got to be that I'm on your side. Mm-hmm. Trust me, we are working and serving as your ally. Mm-hmm. We're serving here. We're, we do what we do to help you to the point where you don't ever have to come back Mm -hmm. for therapy. Um, And so I think a lot of it is just solidifying trust, um, building a bond, and letting them know that you're there to serve as their ally. Mm -hmm. That takes time. That will not happen in the first session. Mm -hmm. It is a, you know, a thing that takes time. Are the counselors in your organization bilingual, or are some of them uh, Latino as well? Excellent question. So what we um, are, that's a good point, and I will do a shameless plug. If you are a Latina interested in pursuing a counseling career, please give us a call. We could always use more good quality um, Latinas to help our our youth and families. Um, Currently, we could do better. Currently, we could absolutely have more 
bilingual people. Um, but what we do have is translation services available. Um, so there is, you know, someone there that can help successfully translate um, counseling sessions and things like that. We do see sometimes that, of course, the kids can speak Spanish as that are bilingual. The kids can actually speak English. Um, and maybe the mom doesn't speak English 100%, but again, translation services are available. Mm -hmm. But if you're a Latina or a Latino interested in being a counselor, please give us a call. We are here to help you be better also. Great, great. <laughs> I imagine, and, and I think you've mentioned this, um, uh, this work being rewarding and, and, and helping people and, and um, how that's one part of you and, and fulfilling. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm sure that it's very challenging at times. What are some of the self-care strategies uh, someone in your line of work can do to make sure that they're not burned out? Oh, that's so good. Yourself included. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting because um, one of the things we do at our center is a little self-care group with our other counselors. And these are licensed clinicians, and they're obviously amazing. I'm biased, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but we say, listen, you and heal people, heal people. Mm -hmm. Okay? Hurt people, hurt people. And so it's important to take care of yourself and listen, spend time with yourself, fall in love with yourself, um, and draw boundaries mm -hmm. in your, you know, personal relationships. Um, and so one of the things that is a common thread is how, as helpers, we want to help everybody, mm -hmm. um, including our family, whether they are highly dysfunctional or not, you just can't help it. And so it's learning about, okay, I'm going to take a step back. I'm not going to overcommit to everything. Um, sometimes I, even myself, I'm like, oh, I'll just go to this meeting. I know that I said I had to, I told them that I would go and at least show face. Mm -hmm. And I find myself doing 30 different things in one day. And I only have real energy for maybe half of that. Mm -hmm. um, but I drain myself. And so it's learning how to say no kindly or knowing how to say, you know, let me check my calendar before I say yes to you. Yeah. Um, I'm big on gratitude writing. Um, I don't do it every day as I should, but mm -hmm. I'll take, you know, some time in the morning. I have to carve time out to stay quiet and let you know, spirit talk to me. Mm -hmm. um, and so I personally enjoy um, meditating, mm -hmm. gratitude writing. I love going out for, I know the weather's this terrible now, but, you know, ideally mm -hmm. love to exercise outside, like go for a nice little power walk, do a little jogging in between and get myself, get, get, get some good blood flow in my body. Um, but I, I, and I tell you, honestly, finding good quality friendships is also really important. I need to be around other sane people. If I'm around nothing but like, oh, chaos, then I continue to invite chaos into my life. And so I'm very selective um, with the friends that I have in my life. I think also having intimate relationships with healthy people is crucial to your success, excuse me, your success and well-being. Um, so those are some of the things that, for me, work for mm -hmm. self-care. Great, great. 
what more do you want the Latino uh, community or uh, our audience in general, general to know about your work and your organization? I say, and I love this question, so thank you for asking, Elena. Mm -hmm. um, I am confident there's probably a listener there that has been having a nudge in their spirit, like I should do more, I wanna mm -hmm. do more. There's something out there, there's a kid out there that maybe I wanna help, or you know that you've been helped before when you were younger, and now you wanna give back but don't know where to get started, I encourage you to give us a call. We're an amazing organization that cares um, for helping people get to the next level. Um, of service and creating change that leads to, you know, leads to the right kind of movement. This mm -hmm. is what we should be doing for ourselves. Mm -hmm. This is what we should be doing for our community. If you see someone in pain, do something. Um, if you see that there are kids entering the system, um, do something. You know, some people say, oh, I don't have enough space in my house or I don't earn enough money. We say, listen, maybe it's being a mentor, dedicating two times out of the month to helping a teenager that needs it. I mean, our kids are thirsty for that degree of guidance and support um, and wisdom that I'm sure you can bring them. Um, or maybe it's, you know, I think I could be a foster parent, but hey, I don't know about that. I don't know. It's, those, uh, it's too much. Try it. Give it a shot. You could be single. You could be married. You could be divorced. You could be gay. You could be renting. You could be um, working full time, one-legged. We don't care. Um, this child needs you, and I am confident that he's better off in your home than in someone's group home or shelter. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage any listeners out there that are interested in taking their service to the next level, taking their talent, their strengths, their awesomeness, um, and doing something amazing with it um, to give us a call. And we could be reached at our toll-free number. We are 20, available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And our website is www.niap.org. That's, again, N-Y-A-P.org. Or you can give us a call at 877-NIAP-CAN. That's 877-NIAP-CAN. Great. Uh, Candy, it's been a pleasure having you today and learning more about you and the work you do and your organization. Thank you so much for having me. I hope uh, we get to have you in another podcast later yeah. on. Awesome. Yes, count me in. <laughs> uh, gracias por escucharnos y recuerden seguirnos en Facebook y de, y de compartir este podcast con otros. Hasta la próxima. Mm -hmm.